Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. I am really excited to be welcoming Matt Coffey to our program today. Matt is a good friend of mine and CEO and president of Customer Bloom. It's an agency based out of New Jersey. They have a wholesale operation where they help other agencies succeed, as well as a another business unit in the medical space called Practice Bloom. And Matt is a, considered an award-winning innovator, hands-on consultant, and team leader with over 20 years of business experience and an excellent track record for running multiple companies. And Matt has been featured as a speaker, an author, and uh, an expert in uh, a lot of different trade and industry publications. And one of the things that I'm most impressed with Matt is just his how fast he's able to execute and get results, not just for his clients, but uh, for those clients and agencies operating in many, many different niches. And we are really excited to have Matt on our program today. Welcome to the program, Matt. Wow, what an intro. I've never been so excited. My goodness. <laughs> Very good. What got you into this business? Why did you start a digital agency? Well, I think it came down to not being able to be hired anymore. Um, that's the number one thing. I, I really, um, you know, I, I came into this sort of space by accident. I've probably told you the story before where, you know, I was literally um, sitting in a dentist chair uh, waiting for my teeth to be drilled. And my dentist was saying that she was uh, looking to get a website done and she was embarrassed because she didn't really have one. And I suggested that I would do it. And now um, you know, we're running a, a pretty large or operation, well, not only an operation, but a multi-international uh, corporation at this point, uh, serving hundreds of clients. And uh, uh, I had come from really the corporate world, as you kind of guess what a lot of people do when they're in their 40s. And people just didn't want me because I didn't want to be held down anymore. I think that was my big challenge. So if you wanted to ask me where and why I did it, I think that's basically why I, I felt that every position that I was looking for. And this is just after um, the meltdown in 2010, when I think a lot of people were, um, you know, displaced, you know, I really just couldn't rationalize myself in another corporate position. So, um, you know, besides doing some journeyman, uh, consulting, that's sort of why this started. I didn't really have a choice in a way, or I didn't really make the choice. (laughs) So, Let's go back to the dentist chair because I'm just trying to imagine sitting in my dentist chair with my mouth open and they start telling me how they need a website and I'm like, oh, you can pitch like like somehow like trying to talk with them in your mouth. Like, were you actually pitching your dentist like while she was cleaning your teeth or was this? Uh, uh, am I just imagining this this one starting? Catalyst? Well, it's it started with a discussion about the fact that they didn't have a logo a sign. They had like nothing. Like literally I, I was like, well, you're right. I mean, it wasn't, I think it was probably at the end of the, <laughs> you know, just, uh, the, the session. But I think I looked at this and I said, well, why aren't you doing any of this? And she says, well, I just didn't, you know, I haven't gotten around to it. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, first start with a logo. 
like, you know, like you have to have a logo for your business. Like this is a dentist office. It's, you just can't have like village dental and it's just in text. It's got to look like, you know, a, a real opera operation. And I think, you know, I probably caught that dentist when she was starting to become uh, aware that uh, she needed to market herself because that uh, I'm sure she was feeling the pinch as well as everyone was doing after the sort of 2008, 2009, 2010 explosion of the economy. A lot of people are hurting. So, you know, you do anything you could to do uh, to get started. And I, I was just at the right place at the right time. A lot of people reach out to me and say, how do I start? How do I get my first client? And for me, at least, I found myself in a similar situation that you are in and that there's people all around us all the time that need this type of service. So how did that conversation start with the dentist? I mean, obviously, it sounds like she didn't have a logo, but how did you even get to the conversation of logos? Did you just say, hey, I do websites for a living? And then the conversation started from there? Because I feel like a lot of people have businesses in their life and they that need their help. And they're wondering, how do I make that first step to make this person who's who I'm buying services from now, my client to buy services from me. Yeah, I think it comes down to the right questions, right? I, I think what I asked her was probably poignant at the time, which was, what are you doing to help grow the practice? And that was something I think kind of threw her for a little bit of a loop because I, I think we the conversation got to, I was asking her, you know, how, how she was doing. She's like, oh, you know, it's the economy and this. And I'm like, well, have you ever, you know, tried to market your business? And she kind of, you know, counterwelled a little bit. Well, you know, we do some, you know, some ads and stuff. I said, well, what about like, do you have a website? I mean, I I can't make an online appointment. I mean, have you ever thought about that? And that's when it got into the fact when I said, you know, really, what are you doing to get new patients? And there wasn't an answer. So I said, well, why don't we start with, you know building you a website at least. And she said, great, can you do that? And I said, yes. And then, you know, <laughs> we got to the logo stuff. But I hadn't, you know, I didn't even have a digital agency at that point. I was doing just consulting uh, for the previous business that I was involved. I was, you know, a, I was a wireless phone guy. I was, uh, I worked for Sprint for seven years and just, I was doing negotiation strategies with big, you know, companies to try and negotiate their phone bills down. And I happened to have built a site for my own consulting business. A lot of people had said, hey, you did a really good job on that. So, you know, that was sort of my step into this world. I had no, I did not want to become an agency owner uh, at all. And uh, I'm still concerned. <laughs> <laughs> so all of us, if we're keeping on top of our teeth, should be seeing a dentist at least twice per year. And now you guys have the question to ask your dentist when you're sitting in that chair. Oh, by the way, how are you getting customers? How are you growing your practice, which will ultimately lead to you guys picking up a new client? You know, maybe I'm a little bit more active in asking these questions because I'm just curious. But I always think that, you know, trying to do the right thing for people and trying to um, help them is always a big step in trying to push um, your own agenda forward. And I always think client first before I do, you know, anything related to, hey, I'll build this for $1,000 or whatever, you know. I'll, or $10,000. Uh, you know, I want to kind of fast forward and talk about customer bloom today. And I think one of the things that I've seen you over the, I don't know, a couple of years that we've known each other, see you do really well is um, really leverage offshore or at least, you know, non-US based teams, even 
um, you know, US based kind of expats that move abroad and leverage them to get a really awesome kind of scalable workforce. Uh, why did you pursue that direction versus just hiring folks, uh, you know, where you're based in, in New Jersey? Yeah, I think you had to have that experience first. Like I, the last company that I worked for before I left the workforce permanently was a, uh, international global company that, uh, had offices in every single, uh, country. It was, it's almost like it was the IBM of India. Um, and what I learned was it wasn't out of the question to pick up the phone at eight o'clock in the morning and get on with India or talk to Paris and then talk to, uh, Vietnam and, and then, you know, in the afternoon, talk to Croatia or whatever. So I was very used to having international conversations before I left the world. So when I started, uh, back really in 2012 with, uh, you know, building the agency, um, the first hire I had was in Mexico, uh, from a, um, expatriate that had left New Jersey and, or Philadelphia area and had moved down to Mexico and had started an agency. And, uh, he suggested that he would be able to run operations for me. Um, cause I was really in dire need of, you know, as you go through the first phase of your growth as an agency, you would need to have a, a manager kind of run everything behind you as you bring in new sales. And that started sort of the beginning of building out uh, what I would call a right short environment where we build American resources in other countries. So we actually have the best of both worlds. We have low cost U.S. employees. So your team is really, you know, American folks that have moved abroad that just cost less because their cost of living, living is, is lower and they want to work remote. As far as customer interactions, absolutely. Yeah. Got it. And that's that. So I think you can build a, an offshore team, but they can't do the personal relationship management that you're going to need to have when you build out a, a staff that's going to have to communicate with customers. You need to have those people, uh, US based that have moved somewhere if you're going to get low cost or US based if you're going to have, you know, uh, a customer interaction. Because most people, they want to be, or most clients, they, they they kind of they know whether or not you know you're a U.S. based employee or not, and it's so funny when people think that you know my operations team is like sitting next to me. I'm like, nah, they're in Puerto Vallarta. But you would know that you would know the difference. And what is the difference at the end of the day, right? So the only thing is we have a 20 seat facility in Puerto Vallarta that looks at the ocean. So I win. So when I go to my office in Puerto Vallarta, I get a suntan. <laughs> Do you ever get objections or concerns from clients? about that setup, about the reliability, accessibility of those team members that are overseas? I'd say one in a thousand would say something. And it's usually the opposite. They're actually curious because they want to mm. figure out how I did it. They're, I'd <laughs> They're say like, how can I do that too? Exactly. And I said, well, you, you need to get Wi-Fi rights. And you need to know the tower owners down there. And then you're good because that's the big problem, right? It's all about internet access. If you can get high-speed internet access wherever you are in the world, then you're pretty good. What are some of the things that you do with that remote team? I, I know remote work in general uh, is very popular. 
in our industry and there's a lot of people that that try it where they have their team spread out all over the country or the world that, that, you know, it doesn't work and they get all kind of freaked out about that. But obviously you're making that work. You've got your, you know, U S based office and then you've got your team that's uh, overseas or really not overseas, but just down in Mexico in another country where you might have, you know, you're not in the same office. You're not seeing each other face to face every day. What are some of the things that you do to build that remote culture and that uh, camaraderie, uh, even though that you're not in the same office? Sure. So I think our team's more connected than any team I've ever worked with. Um, we are on, we are all together on a call. And by the way, we're not just in Mexico. We have a um, growing workforce in Croatia. Uh, we've now four employees there. We've got uh, people in the Philippines. We've got um, uh, people in other countries as well. But I think what we do that's maybe unique is that every day we have a group call um, that has been really effective in getting everybody to listen, to hear, to see each other and on, you know, Google Hangout where we literally go through what's going on. Like uh, all department heads are on that call uh, talking about projects and uh, concerns, uh, opportunities, you know, the SWAT model. Uh, where we literally uh, have that happening uh, every day at uh, 12.55 p.m. And it's, it's a do not miss call. So I think it's a matter of getting your, getting your team to say, look, we're going to be on a call every single day. All department heads must be on it. There's no excuses. Uh, you work your calendar around this unless it's absolutely necessary. And I think that solves that problem. Uh, to me, that's when you, know, you become aware because you're going to talk about what the problems are. Like, there's no communication issues uh, in our company, that's for sure. And I think that that's when you start to ha- make a next step forward is that when people are responsible to show up. How long is that call? And do you have a set agenda for that call? Yeah, everybody gets a turn. So every person speaks. Uh, everybody speaks for about you know, maybe five minutes at most. And it's usually about a 45-minute call or half an hour to 45-minute call. You know, you get a lot of direction out of it. I mean, obviously, we have all the tools that you need to build an agency with all of our internal stuff. But it's more about making sure that we've connected the dots and getting back to clients. And that's where it becomes critical because a lot of the problems in all agencies are client-facing issues that, you know, just can't get solved by sending an email. Speaking of clients... Do you guys have a, a specific niche or a specialty that you focus most on? Yeah, so we have another brand called Practice Bloom. Uh, you know, Customer Bloom is our wholesale and retail operations that we've kind of combined into one single operating unit. And we have Practice Bloom, which is our medical division, which we just started about uh, six months ago. Uh, and really, we've only had it in beta for the last three months, uh, just testing out some strategies where we are uh, specifically going after uh, medical practices that have a pretty decent sized spend. And that's been really successful because we've gotten some great case studies based off of our patient engines model where we're literally building campaigns and uh, p- pushing it into a structure that we've created by just over the last you know three or four years of working with a lot of doctors. We've had the success in building out these uh, what we again call patient engines where we've, we've driven a model where we have an offer, uh, we have landing pages, we have retargeting, and it comes back to uh, sort of, again, with the Facebook world and some of the other engagements where we're, we're self-generating emails and we're really creating a, 
I'd say, a, a full system of coordination by running campaigns that drive uh, patient behavior uh, that's uh, addressable from a uh, ROI standpoint for the doctor. So they can literally see all of this stuff um, in a, what I call, scoreboard, uh, where they actually literally can see like what they're getting in real time on their phone or on their computer. And that has been a really exciting thing to show um, the world what we've created by you know going through the iteration of all the things we've done in customer volume and sort of uh, taking all the synthesis of that down to, okay, here's a, an outlayer or an outrider that we found that works, uh, that delivers consistent ROI that we can prove and you'll see on your phone or your computer screen. That sounds really cool. <laughs> sounds like you guys know that market. You know what you're doing. A lot of agencies are struggling to get focus or commit to a market or commit to a specialty. How did you make the decision to go after medical? It's funny. We made the decision about three years ago, but never followed through. Um, <laughs> I'm so, sure a lot of people can relate with that thing yeah, of I going, mean, we need to go after this niche, but then never getting busy yeah, or right. distracted or whatever. And, and I'll tell you, I was the, and I'll still tell you that I'm the one who resisted this niche business for three years. Uh, we started in 2012. Uh, we grew pretty quickly um, just by um, doing good work. And we, we wanted to do this medical niche and we had a domain and we had you know, thought about it and, just never really got to it. And I, I can feel for a lot of people who may be listening to this to say, you know, hey, that's great, but the guy down the street wants me to do his website and I don't want a niche. I just want to, just want money. I don't want to just like survive. I, I get it. I was there. But what ends up happening, um, and this is what happened to me, is that last year I broke. I, I literally, sometime around October, I think I almost had like a, basically the the equivalent of a nervous breakdown, but I, I just couldn't manage all these different thought processes in my head. I probably had 50 different industries in my head trying to figure out 50 different landing page strategies or 50 different offers. It's just too much. And I said to the team, I said, you guys, we've got to segment our business. I love to do wholesale, so we'll always you know, support our agencies that we run, but we've got to have a niche. And uh, we had had such great success with uh, spine surgeons and medical spas and chiropractors. And I said, let's just let's go back to what we thought about before, which was let's just build a model around that. And I, I think, yeah, as you mentioned before, it's it's one of those things where I think something has to happen before you make the decision. Sometimes it's like people can say they'll go pick a niche which is great if you can do that off the bat and you know that's great if that's how you came into this world and you said, hey, I am just going to do um, funeral homes and that's it. Um, that's all I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I came from the funeral home business. I'm going to, it's not a dead industry and I'm going to go, ha ha, and I'm going to go right down this path <laughs> of- Too far, Matt. Uh, that was too far. <laughs> I, uh, so, but the point is, is I'm, I, I'm trying to be you know, cognizant of the fact that it's very difficult for agencies when they get started because it's hard when you, you can't, you know, how are you supposed to turn away business? And what we kind of learned was it's not that you don't turn away business. You don't do that. What you do is you just go down a path and keep uh, refining that path and keep telling that story in that path. And eventually, um, just like what we've done, we've kind of come into the world now where we've, we've now doing trade shows in this medical space. And, um, you know, besides doing the regular uh, wholesale stuff that we've you know consistently do with our agencies that work with us from a um, a white label standpoint. 
you know, we're just really concentrating on just those two assets. And that's been really exciting for us because it's allowed us to sort of say, hey, here's what we do and here's what we don't do, you know, and uh, that's where I think you get some clairvoyance on your next steps in this world of this agency business, and especially, you know, being out at uh, TNC, uh, Traffic and Conversions last week, uh, you just, it just really opens your eyes. You mentioned that you kind of had a nervous breakdown around the complexity of the business. Would you say that that, whatever you went through a year ago, was the most challenging moment you've had to date with your agency, or is there another moment that... uh, Well... I guess you could say that's the moment when I decided to, you know, move into, you know, consistently be, okay, look, we're going to do a niche here. But I think what we did before, and maybe this is a good thing for people to understand. I mean, we, we had built out a separate agency just for wholesale. And what ended up happening was if you're doing wholesale and you're doing retail at the same time and you're using two separate brands, you're confusing the market. And I think that we learned very quickly that, you know, trying to develop um, two brands that are in the same core asset. So literally they're, they're talking about the same thing. It's just a different avatar. Um, you have to be very careful because it gets confusing to the customer because they're seeing wholesale and retail. I think that was the biggest failure point that we had or the biggest aha moment, if you want to say, is like, okay, look, you can do different segments of the audience, but you can't do uh, the same segment with different avatars. And I think we found out that very quickly, if you try and, um, you know, uh, mutilate your brand as we did by having two separate functions within the same uh, scope or range of customer grade that you're going to you know really start to end up fighting yourself from a content perspective now it's really easy we have wholesale strategy content and we have medical content it's it it's so easy it's like okay <laughs> pick one if you're going to do content you know pick the content ranges you want to go after so that's it so now when I think about customer bloom and I guess practice bloom, it's it's very unlikely that the practice bloom content is going to appeal to an agency or a random small business. So you get some, um, you're able to be specific in that content for that audience group and attract doctors. And then your wholesale brand is really more marketed to the general business population or agency owners. Yeah, I mean, we really just cater to the agency owners and um, entrepreneurs. Uh, people who usually come to us are, in fact, a lot of people from the event that you had back in November are still working with us, or back in September. I mean, I think that you know that's been really interesting to see the formation of people to see us as someone who's just not a wholesaler. And I think that's the key aspect here is that we actually run a practice that's retail. So we get it. We're in the trenches every day. We're not just, um, you know, doing white label stuff. We actually have a whole division that does, uh, real in the streets with customers in hand, uh, you know, facing the same challenges that they do every single day where I think some folks who just do the white label don't necessarily see the market underbelly as much as we do. Do you think that's necessary if you are a white label company or looking to to bring on white label clients, basically wholesale? Yes, I will tell you why. It forces you to be better. Absolutely forces. I mean, we are doing such cutting edge stuff right now because we're forced to do it because our clients are demanding. I want you guys to run these campaigns in Facebook Messenger, and I want to, you know, have a 
figure out how to p- build a form in Facebook Messenger so that people can, you know, contact me through that process. Like that stuff wouldn't come normally out of mechanics that you get in the white label world because of it's so driven by a different metric. It's been driven by uh, really just trying to fulfill requirements that are based off of um, needs that are out there. But I don't think it's driven by what we're seeing in the field, which is, you know, we've got some very sophisticated clients that are looking for us to do things that are so out of the box that it wouldn't come necessarily through that channel. I don't think, at least I, I can't see anybody else doing that in the wholesale space because it's so, it's so new and I think there's so much stuff that needs to be done in that space that just is block and tackle that that's going to be the majority of the business. You've talked about wholesale and white labeling a little bit. How do you approach that business? Because when I think of trying to fulfill services to a ton of different other agencies who all have their own processes and ways of scoping and ways of communicating with clients and ways of doing discovery. Uh, that just sounds to me like a really complicated ball of wax to unwind. Uh, what have you guys done to make that work? I think we get to know the client or the wholesaler or the agency as a function of the business and, Together, I think we decide if it's the right client set for us. Not every agency is going to be a good fit for us. We usually um, are a little up the chain with most of the um, agencies that we work with. In fact, you know, we've worked with some agencies bigger than us uh, that use us for their back end uh, to do um, campaigns. But I think what we've kind of figured out is that we really take on only a subset of um, agencies that come to us that are the right criteria because we're going to be able to be the right engine for those people where we fit best. And we fit best probably in midstream where people are looking for a uh, solution that's based off of a little bit more um, higher level articulation where, you know, we're, we're probably not the best fit for the, for the people who are, you know, in first gear for their agency because we can't do the heavy lifting that which we find is most of the time the requirement but once they've gotten to a point where they've got you know sufficient uh, experience under their belt and they're they're starting to get momentum um, that's when we really are a good asset because we deliver consistently a, a really high-end product and if they're selling high-end uh, level service then they're going to want to use uh, a resource that's good uh, practicality and good uh, repeatability. And that's when we really become a, a, an asset. And that's why I think we get repeat business because we've been able to be consistent in uh, quality. You know, some of the basic stuff where people are looking to just get started with some of their clients, I, I'm not sure if that's where we fit well. But if you're, you're asking me, like, how do we unbundle that ball of wax? I think we really just pick the right agency to work with us. And that's why, you know, some of the folks that uh, obviously are in your camp who are a little bit uh, further down the path have been the best clients for us to engage with. So in terms of wholesale services, uh, say I'm an agency owner and like, what does that mean for me? What, what kind of things could you take off my plate and produce for me? At, and again, when you say wholesale, what I'm assuming is uh, really competitive rates that would make sense for me to be able to mark up and, uh, and, and add my own value to. Yeah. So a lot of people come to us with a design and say, Hey, I need someone to develop this. So that's, that seems to be a very practical thing for us to do, which is that this is the design I built for this customer. Now I need someone to actually do, 
you know, the real work to get it to be a, you know, working uh, piece of art. Uh, that's the probably number one or two thing that we do. And we usually have a, you know, a five hour pack or a couple of five hour packs that we'll sell to get the development, uh, work done for that. Or, um, taking someone from soup to nuts scratch, uh, where someone has an idea of what they want to build. And then we'll come in with a full development, um, package, uh, that those are kind of the top two things. And then as far as, uh, trajectory into the next space where we we do a lot of SEO work. You know, people come to us with uh, a website that literally has four blown out tires, a broken windshield, and a you know dented up uh, website. There's just literally no idea what to do with the um, prospect because their uh, site's not ranking. It's not for some reason not working. And we usually do an initial audit, and then we can recommend services after that. That's been super helpful for people who just kind of come to us and say, I don't know what to, I've got this client. I don't know what to do. Can you guys recommend something? And usually that's a an audit and then an on-page optimization and then some you know some backlinking or some uh, citation work that we usually do. So those are the things that we typically run into. We have a few handful of people who do social media campaigns with us um, and a handful that do pay-per-click campaigns. But the mo- majority of the work is uh, you know, some of the uh, hourly work from a uh, development standpoint and uh, the uh, SEO stuff. Do you have any tips for people in terms of managing what seems like to me a very active pipeline of work at customer bloom, like how many projects you guys have, how many different uh, services that you guys offer. What are some high level things that I could do as an agency to improve my workflows and uh, in my processes? Two things. So the first thing is you need obviously a uh, really robust system uh, project management tool. Um, If you don't have that, or if you're just trying to do it in spreadsheets, you're kind of missing the boat. You know, we use uh, Redbooth, which is a really kind of like it's, a, it's our living and breathing tool, and it, it works across all of our services. So no matter what, it's going to go into Redbooth. So whenever somebody calls in or something happens, uh, it gets assigned and it gets a date. And so if you have an assignment and a date, you're about 70% of the way there. Uh, the other thing is I would say if you're not using Slack, uh, you're missing another communication tool that is really incredibly important. Uh, we live in Slack. We literally have cut down emails by probably 70% by uh, you know converting over to Slack. So Slack and Redbooth, uh, I would say those would be the top two things I would suggest if you're an agency, get uh, those types of tools. Uh, some people use you know various types of things like Basecamp and other types of CRM. I, we just found that... Um, you know, our, our main thrust has been a combination of Redbooth and Slack, and then we use uh, Active Campaign for our CRM uh, to tie it together. What's one thing that you're excited about with your business right now? Hmm, prototyping, rapid prototyping. So one of the cool things about being, again, as I said before, in the field and forcing the equation from uh, the front end is rapid prototyping and rapid either success or failure. <laughs> so we're using um, ClickFunnels and ActiveCampaign together. Uh, we literally can turn on campaigns in a day. Uh, we can go to a client and say, what are you running? And they'll say, okay, we want to run vampire facials at $60 off in these you know, X areas, and we want to run it in Facebook right now. And so we can build that campaign, turn it on, run it into ActiveCampaign, and, and start collecting leads immediately. Now, the thing about 
ClickFunnels, as you know, there's A-B testing already built into it, so you can A-B test on the fly. But also you can, you know, through the magic of the Facebook world, you can do also active, um, you can change up audiences, you can you do all sorts of things from a you know, level of campaign strategy. So really rapid prototyping, figuring out what works and what doesn't work is the biggest thing that we do right now. I would love to offer that as a product, but honestly, it's so new to really for us to do this and to get it to be what we call, again, our patient engines or in our retail world, we call it prospect engines. To get this into the space where it would be a white label product, would be we'd have to hire a couple of bodies down the road in 2018. But right now, we're going to keep it for ourselves. I, I was just trying to pull up the ClickFunnels website because I feel like there's something that they're doing that's kind of, um, you know, I hear that you guys are using them. We use that 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 as one of our platforms. And um, I think their their headline right now says, abandon your website. <laughs> but, yeah, you could. <laughs> but, but I... I feel like it's misleading because I feel like, you know, it's it's web pages, right? So when you say rapid prototyping, well, you're still getting, you know, what like what is a website these days? You know, is it is it I'm not I'm telling you, it's it's happening. And this is why I'm saying you've got to be very careful about how this stuff's evolving. Uh-huh. So what happened to, for us, and this is why we had to develop this. So we would get a client on board and they'd say, Hey, it's six thousand for the website, it's you know, four thousand for the the, the video shoot at this and that. And, okay, great. So like two weeks later, nothing's happened, right? The client doesn't call us back. They're missing an action. They've gone to the moon. I don't know where they are. So we basically say, you know what? We can't lose this client. Let's just start building out ClickFunnels pages for them immediately. And so we literally just started building on, we like get their domain, start just building on the back end of their WordPress site and just start building pages. And so by the time that they come around to actually showing up at the, at the plate and say, okay, great, we're ready to actually help you guys you know, with our site that we've just you know, put $2,000 down as a down payment, um, we've built out their campaigns and we can get their monthly recurring running. And I think that's really why you have to think about this as um, not just rapid prototyping but rapid income because if you can get the process of just building immediately uh, into their site and saying, hey, you know, we don't even have to worry about your site. We're just going to start building landing pages and start running content. So we don't have to worry about the, you know, the frameworks and the, the first run through and the first iteration and the mock building and all that stuff. It's more like, okay, we're starting tomorrow, <laughs> you know, and that's why what I'm really excited is, is evolving this rapid prototyping business um, into something that we can then expand and hopefully share, you know, as I said, probably within six months or six to 12 months, we're going to have a really interesting model that we're just going to go run into um, our wholesale side as well. Yeah, it's really cool. And I love that you're, I think, as a more experienced agency owner and a, a somewhat large team, and you guys are doing a, a good deal of business that you're not looking at these tools. Cause I can't tell you how many people email me and say, well, you know, if a client can pick up ClickFunnels for $2.99 a month, like why would they ever hire me for $10,000 or $20,000 or $30,000? And, you know, my perspective is, well, why aren't you using this tool to help your clients succeed? And I don't even think it matters that it's, that those types of tools are so inexpensive, you still need to be an expert at the craft and know how to rapid prototype, know how to build that, like build the right stuff quickly using some of these frameworks and tools to get your client's message in front of potential customers much sooner. Like why wouldn't that even be a much more higher value service than spending, you know, six months building a full featured website that may or may not work in the marketplace? Well, uh, let me explain something, Brett. So I, I think you and I both understand what's coming. Um, these platforms, 
that are out there are coming really fast where you look, people are not even going to leave Facebook. Um, we're at the point now where we're, again, we're, we're mess, we're using messenger to do ad runs. Like they're not even leaving, they're not even leaving messenger. I mean, so you really have to think about this business as it's maneuvering itself into where people are spending their time and people are spending time in Facebook messenger. People will be spending time in Snapchat. I mean, You've got to gravitate to where uh, the action is. And um, yes, it's important to bring people back to your website. Yes, it's important to get traffic. I get all that. I'm there. I'm not saying it's not important. But I'm saying the, the evolvingness of this business is nuts. And you have to think, and especially if you were at traffic conversions, if you went to that, you'd see some of the stuff that's going on where the next level of where we're going to bring this business is just on that phone. It is just how can you get on that phone? Uh, because that's where all the money is. The money is coming directly out of um, that phone and it's, it's applications, it's Facebook Messenger, it's all the things that people do on a daily basis. Because the, the desktop is becoming obliterated by the fact that people are just so used to using their smartphone and using everything on that phone, it's it's going to be like, how do we use that thing as a TV and how do we get in every single channel in there? Because that's where the money is for the clients, you know, no matter if they're in medical or driving a fence post into a ground or a plumber. I mean, it's all the same stuff. Uh, you just have to figure out how to leverage that. So, um, you know, that's the, that's the concept that I think that's being pushed as well is that we're getting beyond just um, you know, the, the, the formation of building a castle for someone on a, a domain, it's going to be, you know, how do we build out infrastructure? Uh, and that's actually a really good thing for everybody listening is that there's just so many different places now to be able to say, Hey, you don't need to just spend money here. You need to like, look at this whole, you know, the bigger panoply of things that are going on. You're really trying to get somebody's attention, their mind share. And for the people that even, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago that were building websites early on, you know, those people that thought, okay, I'm here to build a website, you know, and, and maybe they made some good money on it. Um, we're still kind of missing the point 10 or 15 years ago. Like what we were trying to do 10 years ago or 15 years ago was um, connect with people, connect with new potential customers. I mean, we had in the year 2000, I think around 300 million people connected to the internet. Now it's like 3.2 2 billion people. And I think the phone and these messaging apps and Facebook are just the newest iteration of how to connect a business with a consumer or a business with another business owner. And if you always understood that the website's purpose was that, I don't think you're that freaked out right now. I think you're almost really excited because you're thinking to yourself, well, there's this huge market of 3.2 billion people that I can you know, reach for my customers and there's 500 different technologies and tactics and different ways at doing that, um, which I think for a lot of people is very exciting. But I, I think though for a lot more people, it's kind of freaking them out. Like I get emails every week of, do people still need an agency? And it's like, of course, because there's even more exciting and, uh, you know, opportunities out there or bigger opportunities out there. And and that, that to me is really exciting. It sounds like you guys are on that glass half full, optimistic, cutting edge of this space, which I think is really cool. Well, I think it is terrifying at some level when you get out there and, and there's, there's so much to learn and there's so much to do and, and there's so many places where you can stick your finger in or your toe in and get 
you know, sort of exposed to it, but you, you really don't know enough to be dangerous. But you are looking at this from a completely different side of the equation, which are, which is not correct, which is you need to look at this from a client-facing perspective. I mean, literally just before I got on the call with you, um, I had a call with a chiropractor, and, and she was – like mixing up words and not understand. <laughs> like it's like she's like, I, I got to do the CEO stuff. I'm like, yeah, God, here we go with this discussion. <laughs> and I, I think people don't know that the, the most clients are completely underserved. Ninety five percent of the clients are completely underserved. It's almost as if um, you have to look at the market as really only one percent have really got it dialed in. Five percent have got somewhat of a decent solution and 95% are absolutely just winging it and wasting a ton of money. And they are going to need somebody. You on this call should know that you have a unlimited opportunity and or a call on this <laughs> podcast. You should know that this is really, um, a, you have a secure position. If you can continue to learn, and that's the only hard thing about this, you have to do the work. The 80-20 rule, right? So there's 80% of the people just don't have any clue at all um, what is going on in this space. And I think the 20% which you should be in are going to be really, really set for a great career if you can continue down the path of the learning piece. I've taken in a lot over the course of our interview, and uh, I want to switch now to our, our lightning round. Are you ready for this, Matt? Always. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? One offer, one channel, one customer target. I'll lead that to uh, James Schranko, who suggested that in a conversation I had with him. Really just thinking about simplifying everything down to that one offer and then put it through one sales channel and then have one customer target. Start there and then get complicated. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Sales above all else. Put down the pen, put down the computer, put down your phone and start selling. And I don't want to hear anything other than that. That's what I tell myself. Put your numbers in front of you. What are you trying to do this month? What's your number this month? Put that number in front of you in the beginning of the month. Keep putting in your sales until it gets to the end of the month. And always go after your monthly number. So if your number is 20,000, then have that number in front of you. See that number every single day. You get on your computer, put it in front of you on your computer, put it in your bathroom, put it anywhere you can so you know the number you're going after monthly. I did that literally since I started. That's great. Can you share an internet resource or a tool that you think our listeners would find useful? Well, I mentioned it before, but ClickFunnels and ActiveCampaign, it's kind of two tools, but those two tools together, ActiveFunnels and and uh, ActiveCampaign, uh, ClickFunnels and ActiveCampaign, I mean, Maybe that's uh, a new business, that. Active Funnels. <laughs> uh, that's my new nickname. I swear that's all I do all day is just Active Funnels. That's why like, all we think about is the funnel. Today, you know, we talk to people like, you know, what's your – again, you go back to that same thing I just said, which is one offer, one channel, one, tar one avatar, one customer you're trying to go after and use ClickFunnels and ActiveCampaign to build that. Do you have a, uh, a book recommendation uh, for us today? Well, it'd be sort of, I guess, self-serving, but 
I, I will say I like the ultimate guide to medical practice marketing by Matt Coffey. Seems to be a pretty good author. But uh, you know, truly, um, the real two books I'll say, and, and I'll, uh, I suggest this highly, The Boron Letters uh, by Gary Halbert, or really by Bond Halbert. Uh, I'd just read that book just for fun. I mean, it's just a great story, and uh, it really is an impactful thing. It made me um, actually start to run every day, which is great. And then uh, the one thing by Gary Keller, uh, that is absolutely, without a doubt, probably one of the best books, The One Thing. Uh, it really synthesizes a lot of this discussion that we've had today. Is there anything that you have for our audience or that our audience could use to find out more about you? Yeah, sure. Of course, you can go to customerbloom.com and um, find out more about us. Uh, we will be running, uh, as we've discussed in the past, this um, $199 offer for an audit for a website. So if you're interested, uh, you know, contact me. Certainly, you know, get in contact with uh, Brent if you want to have another discussion about what we're doing with uh, you gurus. But I think the one thing that's been successful for us has been that $199 audit offer, which solves a lot of the general problems for a lot of the people who would be listening to this, which is, what do I do now? So I got a customer. Now what do I do? And we have that frank discussion. Uh, we either do a SEO review or a complete marketing review for one ninety nine. The, the the video marketing review has been really helpful. Kind of goes over in about five to ten minutes everything that needs to be done for a site. Or if it's just a plain old SEO review, uh, we just have a normal uh, you know overview. It's about twenty seven pages or so of every little thing that needs to be fixed on a site. And both those are um, one hundred ninety nine dollars for right now. So me as a agency, I could come to you, order this audit, and you would do this on kind of in a white label model on behalf of one of my clients, which would give me some direction on what to do next with this customer or how you guys might be able to help? That's right. So nine times out of 10, um, we're finding that most uh, people who come to us from a either looking to do SEO work for a client, which is typically... I'd say 50%. And then the other 50% is just people like, I don't know what to do with this clients, you know, really need some help. What do you suggest? And instead of, you know, talking it through, um, and then having the, uh, agency go back to the client and explain it, what we usually do is just put it on video and shoot it in a white label format. And then they can, you know, put it under their brand and then send it over to the client. And that usually starts the discussion about, uh, things that need to be done. And then we can take it from there. Very cool. We will definitely include a link to that in the show notes. So if you guys are interested in uh, in that audit for for one of your clients, definitely take a look at our our show notes for the program today. And uh, obviously, you guys have a lot more. You could also offer uh, agency owners or other business owners with digital marketing services, which is really cool. And uh, appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today, Matt. You guys have a really cool business, and uh, I've I've loved getting to know you over the last couple of years. I think you guys are doing great work with your clients and great work with agencies and. You guys gave an amazing talk at our at our summit last September, which our folks loved. So hopefully you guys will be back to our event uh, this year in 2017 and uh, wish you all the best with uh, customer bloom and practice bloom and all that good stuff. Well, thanks, Brent. I really appreciate it. It was a really enjoyable conversation. And uh, again, uh, I'm excited to help uh, people grow their business too. It's not just about us. It's about you know the industry and anything we can do to help support you and your team. We're here. Awesome. Thanks a bunch, Matt. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.